We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 121. We are chugging along through spring training. What's up, Scott? Another week, another week, another very positive week from what we're looking at. I mean, everybody wants to look at spring training and get go all crazy about what we're seeing. The fact of the matter is, it is positive. So we need to look at all the good stuff, and the Yankees are not a disaster right now. They're playing very well. So doesn't not a that disaster. mean... They're... If they if there was such a thing as spring training power rankings, I think the Yankees would be right up there on the top. So doesn't that mean that we're going to win the World Series a lot earlier than everybody thinks we are? It means we're probably going to win the World Series this year. Um, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I th- I think the overreactions need to extend another week because nothing has gone bad. We haven't seen anything. I'm knocking on wood right now, but we have not seen anything bad at all in spring training. I mean, I can't really put my finger on one terrible thing that's happened. No, nothing terrible, other than if you consider Tyler Austin breaking his foot a terrible thing. And that was even before spring training happened. Yeah. The only the only terrible things that can really come out of spring training, though, are injuries. Right. That's true. That's true. But, yes, uh, I'm excited again for another week because, you know, everything is just kind of flowing in that positive direction. You know, we want to see progress from the young guys. We want to make sure that people are getting their work in and, and you know, working on the things and, and they're – being effective while doing it. And 
kind of everything is going to script. I mean, it's pretty, pretty remarkable. You talking about overreactions, we sort of started that trend. I, do you remember that guy on Twitter? He's a listener of the show who predicted 30 homers for Jacoby Ellsbury this year. Might be the biggest overreaction hot take of them all so far. Yeah, but you know what? Jacoby's already hit one, so maybe the four inches out, you know, look, it was so simple. You just got to hit the ball a little bit earlier, and Jacoby's going to be taking it deep at least 30 times, at least 30 times. I mean, this guy might be the comeback player of the year leader in the clubhouse. It's it's difficult because at this point now, there's like six guys on the Yankees who are all going to win MVP this year. <laughs> it's true. Which How doesn't, that mean, doesn't that mean? Yeah, that doesn't that mean they can't be the most valuable player then if it's all on the same team? Or yeah. are we just going best player available again? It, it, I guess Mike Trout will win by default if that's the case. There you go. We are approaching March 24th and 25th, which is when Bronx pinstripes. Scott and I will both be in Tampa for that Friday and Saturday game. And finally, we have decided on a meetup point for Friday night after the game. Uh, we're going to meet up around 6 p.m. at Southern Brewing and Winemaking. It's a it's a brewery and a wine a winemaking uh, place, apparently. Although but, I didn't see much about the wine. I, the more, I didn't either. I saw a lot about good beers. They have a whole back deck. It looks cool. The reviews are very good on Google and on Yelp, which is uh, – we also – wasn't a, it a suggestion yes, from was. one of the listeners? So we're going to go with the local on, on suggesting a place. The address is – 4500 North Nebraska Ave in Tampa. It's about a 12-minute drive from Legends Field, uh, Steinbrenner Field now, actually. Um, so we're going to be there after Friday's game at around 6 p.m. And anybody who comes, definitely let us know on Twitter uh, that you're going to be there. Uh, we'll, Scott and I will be there in Bronx Pinstripes gear, looking to, to hang out with the fans and uh, drink a few beers in the process. Yeah, I mean, we've seen random people just, you know, here and there say that they're going to be down there. It's kind of hard for us to gauge how many people are down there. There might be five, there might be ten. I, I don't know. I'm sure a lot of people who are going to be down there might not have Twitter. But if you are going to be down there, reach out to us in some way just so we can kind of gauge who's going to go. Um, and if you are there, definitely definitely go because it's going to be a lot of fun. We're uh, we're looking forward to hanging out with everybody. It'll be a good time for all of us to uh, just kind of shoot the shit in person and um, and talk some more Yankees and, and have some beers. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm very excited about it too. Last year we didn't we were down there but we didn't do anything like this. We kind of just did our own thing. So, yeah. I I'm excited what uh what what might happen. Uh like you said, it could be anywhere from 5 to 10 to 20 people. We have no clue. Um but it should be good. Hopefully there's no weirdos that show up. And if you do see I mean, we'll be at the game too. So, I mean, you I think we're sitting in section 104. I think that's right. It's to the right of the dugout, so it's uh it's that, that next section over from the dugout on the right-hand side on the first baseline. So we will be sitting there. If you see us, definitely say hey or, or you know tweet at us. We'll come say hey or whatever. But, um, yeah, I'm, I, look, this is finally coming, which is, which is awesome because we've been talking about this for a long time. We're going back down. We had an awesome time last year. We're probably going to do the interviews around the stadium again like we did last year, I would assume, because um, that was kind of fun. But, uh, you know, we're uh, – I'm just pumped up for it. Finally, spring training is here, and I can go down there and see grown men throwing balls together in person. I'm looking forward to a, a warm, sunny weekend. And it was hot last – I mean, the la last year it was like 95 degrees, blazing hot. Yeah. Neither one of us had sunscreen. We just got torched. <laughs> that pasty white skin of mine that, that – yeah. <laughs> in the winter, it's uh, not ready for the sun in March, but – 
So, yeah, th- this time I might, you know, you're the older one. You're the more responsible one. You're supposed to be packing sunscreen. I did buy sunscreen, if you remember last time. I was the one that actually went out and bought it. So I did. I put my old man hat on and I bought some sunscreen. I'll bring it this time. I might bring the bucket hat again. I might bring the bucket hat out. Um, and then on Saturday, we will be back at the game. It's a one o'clock game on Saturday. And our we don't really have great seats uh, for that game. So we're going to be in the right field bar area. Just getting drunk all afternoon. <laughs> yeah, we're again we're on the first base side uh, on the the second level, but we'll be mostly in the bar watching the game from there and taking in the the boss from the outfield. Maybe, like I said last week, maybe a Cabana's in our future. Who knows? Last year we only went to one game because there was only one home game of that weekend. But this 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 year it's going to be two games, and I know there's three home games that weekend, but we have to fly back. But I'm excited about about going to a second game. I feel like I di- I didn't quite get my fix of baseball last time. You came after me though because I went to the Thursday game by myself. I was yes, the I, I was the guy sitting there, just talking to everybody without anybody I was going with. That's 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 like the second or third time I think I've ever gone to a baseball game by by myself. It's a it's a different scenario. It's a different experience when you go by yourself. I don't know you if you've ever brought, gone, but you should have brought the headphones. Oh yeah, and, and with the big the radio. That's what that's what people do who go to go to games by themselves. They have the the giant headphones on with the with the like Bartman like the Bartman headphones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I felt like it's kind of antisocial when you're doing that. I like talking to people. Yeah, but you can hang out with John and Susan. There you go. Twenty five percent off code for this week in honor of spring training. Let's go with Tampa which is the location, obviously, of Yankee Spring Training. So use code TAMPA for the 25% off to the fan shop. All right, Scott, let's get into it. Um, Sort of, I guess, the biggest news not on the field to come out the last week was that John Heyman reported that Brian Cashman was actually told, I think probably for the first time in his entire Yankees career, that he had a budget. After he signed Chapman and Holiday, which was $99 million combined, he had four more million bucks to work with. And I wrote something about this the other day, and it's kind of laughable to think that the quote-unquote uh, budget that the Yankees have to work in is still $103 million in one offseason. I mean, there's teams like Kansas City or Pittsburgh who don't spend that in two or three offseasons, never mind one offseason. But we've seen the Yankees spend a half a billion dollars in a single offseason before, like in 2009. So... It is them being a little bit more responsible. What do you think of the fact that Cashman was told, listen, you went out, you got Chapman, you got Holiday, no more. You can't just keep spending it, Will. You have four more million bucks to work with. I'm fine with it, honestly. I, I mean, I think it's, you know, being fiscally responsible in this market with the, uh, the, the luxury tax penalties coming at such a hefty cost right now. And obviously the goal from what everybody's been telling us is that they're trying to get under that threshold so they can gear up for that big free agent class everybody talks about at nauseum. And and so that's that's kind of the goal. You know, they're gonna have some contracts coming off the books next year. And uh, so I'm glad I'm I'm glad that they're thinking about the money because really if everybody thinks about this and, and there have been so many overreactions like, oh my God, they're the New York Yankees. Why are we how, why do we have a budget? Why why are they not spending the money? Well let's let's get something straight. They're spending money on nothing right now with the tax uh, with the, the threshold and the penalty. They're spending money on nothing. So the fact of them trying to manage what that budget is currently so that they can get back underneath it and then actually spend that money on players is a good thing. So I, I really didn't understand why everybody's overreacting. And it's 
I think just too much of a surface reaction because they don't really know why why they're doing it and you know what what is behind the scenes of uh, of the strategy. Well, a lot of Yankee fans are are like a child that doesn't get his own way. They're not used to hearing the word no because no was not in George Steinbrenner's vocabulary when it came to spending money on the Yankees. I agree, but you know it's a different it's a different scenario now, right? I guess totally. That's what fans don't realize. I think a lot of people don't even think about this. The, uh, the tax penalty. And the fact of the matter is that they're spending millions and millions of dollars and I had it's the stat not going in anywhere. I had the stat in there in my blog that it, since 2002, the Yankee, which is when the tax penalty was implemented, the Yankees have been over it every single season. It, it was basically created for the New York Yankees, right. the luxury tax. They've spent 390-something million dollars, or excuse me, $309 million in tax penalties. That's $190 million more than the next highest team. <laughs> That's insane. It's insane. Yeah, it's absolutely it, insane. So think about those numbers. And if you're a fan who is complaining about the Yankees not spending every dollar that they get and putting it back into the team, then look at those numbers because those numbers, that is empty dollars. Those are dollars that do absolutely – those well, – They help the, other teams. The, it's, it's revenue share. I mean, it's um, – Yes, it goes It goes, back to, it goes to other teams. It goes to the lower payroll teams. So it actually – it, it's it really is counterproductive. A it's counterproductive. Yes, it's money. Well, being it is spent. and it isn't because you get the player or the players that you're spending, but it it is it, it's uh it does could come back to bite them in the ass unless the players Jacoby Ellsbury. Yes, I understand, <laughs> but the yeah. the fact is that the the money is wasted at that point. So yeah, you know what they're trying to do is get under that threshold so that that money that they're putting towards a penalty, which is no good for the New York Yankees, they can start re. Uh, reinvesting in the team, and then especially when there's a huge free agent class coming up, they can invest it in players, which is what we want. So be thankful that they're they're, they're on a budget right now and they're thinking about what's happening in the next couple of years. Yeah, it's not like they're going to go underneath the tax threshold and then stay under it. They're going to no. immediately go back over it because right. once you go under it once, it resets, and then you have to work your way back up to paying the the 50%, which is what they're paying. And they that's pay, important. They yeah. pay, I believe, uh, don't they? Isn't it 50% once you reach a certain uh, years, consecutive years over? Yeah. Uh, what, there was an adjustment to it in the last uh, CBA. I'm not sure okay. what the adjustment was. Maybe but it's it was, a little 33%. Uh, I don't 33 remember the exact cents on every dollar or something like that. It's a lot. That's all there. It's a lot it's of money. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But what I think, I think a lot of, uh, you know, if a, a casual fan doesn't realize that if they are in that threshold and they're paying that right now, I'm not sure a lot of people realize that it does reset. And that's important to know because that's what the strategy is right now. Their strategy is, you know, we have a lot of the money coming off the books in the next year, two years, and they are going to shoot. That's, that's the goal is to get under that threshold so that it does reset so that they can go back and spend more money when all of these guys are young and on the team and then they can add complimentary pieces. It's, it's actually a very good plan. Um, the $4 million is putting them, if they, they did spend that $4 million between uh, John Neese and Chris Carter, it came out to about $4 million, $4.5 million. Bucks. Uh, that puts them right on the $195 million line, which is the current tax threshold. I still think they're going to be over it this year because if they add any players throughout the season, which very well could happen, there could be injuries or whatever it may be, the team is probably going to add something between now and and the end of next October. But if they're over it, the following year, once CC's off the books, A-Rod is officially off the books, they're definitely going to be under it. Like you said, because they're going to have a lot of young players who aren't making big bucks. Exactly. They're young, controllable players with manageable contracts. 
You get all these big guys off who aren't even playing for the team. I mean, that A-Rod contract is going to be massive to get off. And they went out and uh, and Cashman made the best of that $4 million, and, and, and that's fine. You know, we've, we've already talked about what he's done with Carter and John Neese. I don't even think we've seen John Neese this spring. I don't remember seeing him. I don't think he's pitched unless he pitched today and I just missed it. But um, if you look at the options of, of uh, you know, who they were looking at for lefties, I mean, are they really that far off? I don't think so. Is it worth it for you're talking about like Boone Logan, Jerry Blevins, Travis Wood? Those would have been bullpen options to add for for Brian Cashman. Right. Is that really worth it for this this 2017 team? Do we need to go spend 20 million dollars on Boone Logan? No, not at all. I mean, you look at the the kid. First of all, one of these guys, one, two, three. You said three of those guys, and then add, let's add John Neese to that that little. Uh, package of players i mean who's to say that any one of those guys who would be signed would be effective for an entire year honestly i mean do you have any faith in any of those names because i don't well the, I, I mean would travis wood blevins and logan have had solid the last few seasons boone logan has actually kind of been under the radar pretty good since he left the yankees the, I, I i just think that there are you know but look, it's not worth it it's not, not worth it and there's guys that can contribute as a lefty I mean, we have people in the minor leagues. That kid Montgomery who has looked up, I, I, I compared him to Boone Logan when I first saw him pitching in the spring. He actually is a similar stature. He, the, uh, the way he throws is actually very similar to Boone Logan. They, they kind of look like carbon copies of each other. But my point is, is I think they, the Yankees can replace a lot of what they would get from someone like that, from, from guys in the minor leagues or from like a guy like John Neese. And that's just Cashman going out and trying to make you know, the, the bang for his buck and uh, – and try to capitalize on a guy who's in a down year the year before, but has every incentive to perform at a high level. So who knows? And did we really want to go spend 48 million bucks no. on Rich Hill? Absolutely not. We've right? talked because, about that, no doubt. Because we were, and I remember we talked about this with Brendan Cuddy when we had him on, and he was kind of begging for the Yankees to add another starting pitcher. And you and I were both kind of like, well, you didn't get Rich Hill, and he was the only one worth spending money on. So why are we going to go and spend money on these guys that might not be any better than the five guys we have competing for the starting rotation right now? Yeah, it made it made no sense. Like we're we're looking at the guys who are available, and people want to add just because it's a name or it's, a it's name. somebody. Yeah, it's a somebody name that's been in the major they leagues. Have a re- they have like a deeper baseball reference page than right. Brian Mitchell, so they yeah. think that automatically that guy's going to be better in 2017. When in reality. It's a toss-up. Yeah, it's 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 lunacy, and it's uh, I'm glad that Cashman didn't go out and do it. The fact is that he's got all these guys competing for that spot. I think is in a you know I think they're in a, a fine position, but four million bucks at the end of it. Look, there was a there was a there was a guideline set out, and that's good because what that means to me is that they're actually following the plan that we all thought was set forward. So that's positive but to me. Can we also not lose sight of the fact that they spent 103 million dollars this offseason? I forget about that just because of. Uh, of uh, that's a Chapman. shit ton of money. That's a shit ton of money. <laughs> it's yeah. It's a great. It's but if that's fans are like, oh, news. the Yankees are being cheap. Well, they just signed Chapman to the richest contract for in history for a relief pitcher, and they just spent thirteen million bucks on uh, Matt Holiday, which is a luxury item. Yesterday's news: all people are seeing is four million dollars. What they only <laughs> have four million dollars. <laughs> Yeah, there's suddenly they're the the poor Yankees who have to hold out uh, cans to collect change on the streets because because they only got four million bucks to work with. Yeah, I mean that's I don't even that I feel like we are uh, you know we're Oakland A's fans. We we understand how they feel now. Billy Bean <laughs> could get so many players with four million bucks. It's true. They would not be very good, but 
he did a lot of guys. This is a point that you made. Um, you and I were talking in, in uh, Facebook chat, and Cashman's been pretty good when he dumpster dives. You know, I think that when you're looking at what he's done, bringing Warren back, getting Castro on those deals, like he he looks for people who are, I don't know, poised for a comeback or poised to make that next step. You look at Castro when we got him, and we got him for pennies on the dollar for what he was at that point. If everybody remembers that Castro deal, I mean, they needed to get him out because there were a lot of guys below him, which is kind of ironic because that's kind of the scenario now. But the the fact is, the, after the after the uh, the All Star break that year, Castro had the highest batting average of anybody in Major League Baseball. I mean, the guy was on fire the second half of You're the year. You're talking about 2015 season. 20, yes, Castro, the year before yeah. we got him right. And and I think Cashman, what he does is he he tries to get guys who are are either on the cusp of the rise. Uh, or, or right at that point where they're they're starting to to jump up and take that next step, and I got to give him a lot of credit for that because he's done it in the past, and hopefully, you know, he can he can capitalize on that. With uh, I think we know what we're getting with Chris Carter. I don't think there's much upside there. I think we know what we're getting. Um, but John uh, Neese, uh, mean, Jonathan we, Neese is a guy that that has had success in the past. Maybe he's you know looking for that next contract, and he does well. Who knows? Yeah, and um, I was also talking about guys I remember like Alfonso Soriano cost the Yankees pretty much nothing, uh, and he was on his last legs, but he came in and he had a really good second half of the season. What was that, 2014? Yeah. And that was okay. sort of just a, a a pipe dream for Cashman, but it worked out, and we've seen other guys, uh, um, Brandon McCarthy pitched really well for the Yankees. They, Cashman got him for basically nothing. Yeah, Brandon McCarthy is a great a great example of that. Nobody expected what he did. And he came and then in they let him well. go, and then, yeah. then the Dodgers spent forty something million bucks on him, and he's hasn't pitched since. Did so. we miss on Rich Hill? Because Rich Hill never came and pitched like he does now when he was with the Yankees. Well, Rich Hill missed with about fifteen different teams. That's true. That is can't true. really I can't really blame Cashman for that one. Blisters. I mean, maybe maybe there were blisters, soft skin on the fingertips. The, I guess that. Cashman could have spent twenty six million bucks for Ivan Nova. Yeah, he could have. He could have done it. But didn't. I was reading something on Nova last week. I guess I was really, really bored. And um, he 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 had very good stats with the Pirates at the second half of the of last season. Well, good for he, him. Is, I mean, he's 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 pitching pitching for a contract at that point, so he had some motivation. He had every opportunity in the world too. Yeah. All right. Um, some other stuff out of spring training, and this is something I was I was quietly monitoring, and I was I was hoping that I would see some positive stuff. And it's Greg Bird's power stroke. He has three home runs. He's got a few doubles, but he was coming off that torn labrum, and that could really affect a guy's power. And you just, we just, there was just so many questions, and there still are a lot of questions with Greg Bird. But the fact that he is hitting home runs early shows me at least that he's healthy. And that was the biggest question about him this spring, right? Yeah, and then listening to interviews, you know, between innings with uh, with Morakovich when they when they do those those player interviews, he just sounds like the same guy that we heard in in late 2015. So very poised. Sounds like he's like a a 15 exactly. year veteran. Yes, he sounds like built cut, in a Yankees lab, cut from the Derek Jeter cloth in the sense of talking and being positive and the Yankee way and everything. I mean, that's just how he sounds even now, uh, being very. You know, contrite with with his words and and just being humble in the sense that yeah, he's excited that he feels healthy, but that but that's the biggest thing. You're right. I think the fact that he's healthy, the fact that that power stroke is still there, and that's something that you can definitely determine in spring training. I mean, he's hitting home runs, he's hitting doubles, so the power is still there. the the, the fact that he can actually um, physically do that is a really really good sign. And he's been really hot early in the year. I'm, I'm glad to see those home runs hitting because that's 
that's a game changer in the lineup. If you add Greg Bird in there and you're adding, you know, 25, 30 home runs in the middle of uh, in the in, in a in a big spot in that lineup, that's huge. Lefty, he's the kind of the main lefty power bat in the lineup. Yeah. So, like you said, stats can uh, be deceiving in spring training. If if a guy is 0 for 15, it doesn't mean he's going to have a terrible season. And if he's 10 for 15, it doesn't mean he's going to have a great season. But the ma- the bottom line with Greg Bird is he's healthy. And if you're Yankees fans, you have to be thankful for that at the very least. And I think um, that what we have to be is what we have to be conscious of are, are the, like the little takeaways from each of these players. Like, yes, everybody, a lot of the Yankees right now are hitting very well. But I think we need, to, is hitting. we need to focus in on the on the small things, on the, the takeaways for why they're hitting and what they're doing within that batting average. Like you're seeing high batting averages, but why are they there? And, and I think Judge is a really good example of that. Another small thing is that Aaron Judge, like you just said, only has two strikeouts in, in his first uh, week plus of spring training. And that is a huge step forward for him. Bat on ball. It sounds so simple, but when you're six foot eight, that's all he needs to do, like we said last week. But he's getting the bat on the ball, and that's that's a huge positive sign out of Aaron Judge. And as ironic as a big step forward, I think what he talked about in the in the in the offseason, what he's been trying to implement is a smaller step forward with that leg kick and trying to just do a toe tap or a slight raise or whatever it is. He he's trying to control his lower half. I've, I heard him talk about you know the the his right hip and controlling that hip. It seems like he's just really trying to control the lower half of his body so that the upper half continues through in a, you know, in a consistent manner. Because when you're that big, you cannot reproduce the same swing over and over again. It's a difficult thing to do. By controlling the lower half, it seems like he's able to do that. And two strikeouts this early in spring, granted it's early, he's, he's facing you know, probably not the top line pitchers all the time. He's, he's also guys in. just working on fastballs and things Exactly, like that. yeah. There's a lot of things that are going into that. But it's positive. Again, those are the things you need to take away the the positives, and that's a really good point. What you just said, don't be so don't be so set on these batting averages because, like, like Andrew just said, there's there's guys working on pitches. Like they may be just throwing a fastball, or they may just be throwing, you know, night or seventy five percent curveballs. You just don't know what they're working on, and as a batter, you may pick up on that and then sit on something. Yeah, and for Aaron Judge, I think he's going under the mindset of keep it simple, stupid, with his right. approach at the plate, and. um that's all he needs to do because his size will do the work for him. No doubt. Another thing that is a positive step forward is the fact that Severino is throwing his changeup. And like we just said, with pitchers just working on stuff, Severino was afraid of his changeup last year. If it got hit early in the game, he would abandon it. Mm-hmm. So then the hitter could just sit on fastball, and it doesn't matter how good your fastball is. When, when a hitter knows it's coming, they can hit it. But – Severino is not letting because uh, Joey Bats hit a homer off of him uh, in right. his last outing. But Severino kind of just shrugged it off and said, "You know what? I'm going to keep throwing my stuff. I'm going to keep working on what I'm doing." And that's a big step forward for him mentally, which is what we said last week and have said all along with Severino. It's not the talent; it's it's up in his head. It's, something's going on there that he needs to have figured out. And I mean, Austin Romine, when you listen to what he says post game about the Severino, because he was catching him that day, he was talking about the fact that Severino is back. He feels like he's getting it. He feels like he's right there with everything he needs to have, and that the changeup is good. He even went in, went on to say that he took credit for that home run from Joey Bats because he called the the pitch where it was uh, a fastball. But yeah, I mean, all positive stuff from him. The fact is, he needs to get comfortable with that changeup. That third pitch is crucial for him. If he could get it. 
you know, the confidence is going to is gonna follow along with that changeup. And then we're going to see, I mean, he was touching 99 miles an hour on that fastball. That's electric stuff. When do, you we, could, do we buy these spring training radar guns? Yeah, oh yeah, they're juiced and I love it. Let's, let's bring the juiced guns up to New York too. The, you know, if he can, if you could command a changeup and, and throw it with a, enough of, a, of difference in, in speed, then you're throwing 90, okay, let's say 96 to 99, whatever it really is, then, you know, you're going to be effective, bottom line. And uh, and I love the fact that, you know, he's got the confidence and that Romine's just feeding that confidence because that's what he needs to do. If Pedro Martinez fixed Luis Severino, do we forgive him for throwing Don Zimmer on the ground? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I'll just never believe that he fixed him. I'll just, I'll never give him credit for it. It'll be in denial. It'll be yeah. for some other reasons. It's just all Severino growing up. He's and not being as more swole, mature because the Yankees told him to get less swole. That's why he's fixed. Yeah, his, his biceps are no longer getting in the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, and then uh, speaking of um, confidence, Gary Sanchez basically taunting runners on Instagram, saying second ba- go ahead, second base is open. I love. Uh, he's that. been throwing out runners left and right. His his he's got an absolute rifle, and the thing I love about his throws is that everyone is like rate six inches off the ground when it comes into second base. Perfect spot for either Didi or Castro to lay the tag on him. You know, he's throwing dudes out from his knees. I, I think that was yesterday or today. I don't even remember which which game it was. That's but a Molina move. That's crazy. I mean, this guy has so much confidence in, in his arm that it doesn't matter where his body is positioned. He just lets it rip. And like you said, it's accurate. He throws on the dime, and he's got such a powerful arm that you're going to start seeing now that – these guys are not even going to attempt stolen bases because he's throwing people out. It seems like, I mean, the, I don't know what the percentage is, but it seems extremely high. Uh, well, it, I, was, it was like, like 30, it was 30 something percent last year, which is huge. I mean, that, yeah. that's a great number, but like you, like you just said, if runners are fearful that they're going to get thrown out and they run less, that's doing the job right there. Yeah. You're controlling the run game, whether you're not throwing or you are. One thing I'd love to see from him too is is to start being more aggressive and throwing down to first. Like you talked about Molina, Jose Molina, Molina yeah, he would love that was his that. favorite move. The runners were never safe. It didn't matter where they were, how big of a lead they took. If that secondary lead, if you got that extra hop, he was going down to first base, and he and would you swing it from one it. knee behind the left-handed yeah. batter. Yeah, I would love to see Sanchez start start doing stuff like that too because. I don't know, for just looking at how he throws a second, it seems like he's really got that accuracy. Um, and if he starts being aggressive with that cannon, then you never know, man. He, he could really do some special things. Yeah, as much as we loved Jorge Posada and as great as he was offensively, he couldn't really control the run game. He got better as he got older. He, I think his throws got more accurate, and, and I, he improved the strength of his, in, in his arm. But he never would throw down to first base behind a runner like Molina would. I mean, that, I remember countless times with A.J. Burnett on the mound in the playoffs, Molina controlling the run game for A.J. Burnett. And if you think about what happened last year in the World Series, too, or even in the playoffs with, uh, with John Lester, I mean, the way that they would control the run game, it wasn't John Lester controlling the run game. It was the catcher trying to throw behind the, the, the runner. You know, if you take a, too big of a lead and you don't go, then you may get uh, picked off going back to first. And I think that's important because if Sanchez does have that, you know, the fear of God for these guys to run, that's going to help, you know, the bullpen. I mean, we know what the, the struggles Dylan Betances has late in games when runners get on. This could change him and give him more confidence in delivering that pitch because if he's not holding the runners on as well, you got Gary Sanchez back there, you know, putting the fear of God in them to either take a big lead or run. And, you know, that's that's really going to help with Tances out too. 
Gary Sanchez, the leader of the Yankees catching wolf pack. Yeah, that's, that's which funny. is what they've labeled themselves. I guess there was a New York Post article that uh, the catchers Romine Sanchez Hige Ishikawa. How do, did, I, did I pronounce that correctly? Have sure, labeled that was good. Oh, yeah, that was really good. That was a good job. Have labeled themselves the Wolf Pack, which uh, I immediately just think of the Hangover. Yeah, yeah, I, I do the same thing. And when you look at the flag that they have, they have a flag, by the way. There, there's a flag. If you just Google their flag, I guess it was designed by Josh Paul. It looks like Game of Thrones or something that would be on like a beer stein in Germany. Hey, whatever's working for them. If, if they like being call, calling themselves a wolf pack, I'm, I'm okay with it. I think yeah. it's a little cheesy, but whatever. Whatever works. I don't really, yeah. exactly, like you said, I could care less what it is. Just make it work. So we're in agreement that spring training stats don't matter uh but some guys are not as hot as say greg bird or aaron judge and that's chase headley and i think that when it supports my argument against chase headley (laughs) i'll use it i'll use that the spring training stats (laughs) do in fact matter and chase headley's picking up where he left off at uh in last season well i'd say around the same time he was better in the second half but yeah, yeah, it's Can we good. just tell him it's July then? Because if it's going to take him until the second half to get warmed up to just mediocre Chase Headley, yeah. that's a long time. It is a long time. Well, maybe aren't you kind of rooting for that, though? Because that means there may be a, a replacement coming up very fast. If I, if I thought for a, a single second that a replacement was coming up, coming up if Chase Headley struggles again, then I would root for that. But the mold. something tells me I think we've got to endure one more season of Chase Headley. Yeah, he needs to get off to a better start, obviously. And I will, I mean, if he continues to struggle in the spring, I mean, we saw what he did in that first month of last year. And two months. The two months. It's clear that your mind can get affected by the way your performance is on the field. If this guy doesn't come into the season, you know, at least hitting the ball well and squaring up the ball, exit velocity. What was it? The weakest of, of like any major negative. league player? Neg- yeah. Negative exit velocity. Negative exit, exit velo. You got to have some confidence going into the season. So, if he is the guy that's going to be manning third base all year, I really do hope he starts turning around because he needs that confidence to come back uh, and start the season. He cannot get off to a start like that at all. It'd just be devastating for him. I've also noticed your tweets about Chris Carter to me have stopped because he stopped uh, getting hits in spring training. I didn't tweet about Chris Carter. I tweeted about Matt Holiday, and no, they he... have stopped. Oh, I thought I I thought you were tweeting about Carter. It was, it was, you know, it was part of the same argument, but yeah, it was really just about Holiday, who's the greatest player that's ever worn the pinstripes. I, I do admit I was watching some of those videos of, my, of Matt Holiday he did with the S Network and stuff, and yeah. he, does, he does seem like a guy that I could get behind if he, if he starts to produce for the Yankees. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard not to. I mean, one, he's a nice dude, and, and if you look at all the other stuff, even when he left St. Louis, he's got like a lot of charitable things behind him. I don't know, I, I like those guys, I root for them, and... He looks healthy. Uh, that's that's my takeaway. The dude looks healthy, right? He looks he looks strong. He looks solid. <laughs> it may, it may get remember, weird. It may start getting remember, weird. Do you remember Gabe Kapler? Yes, I do. He's a he, coach I mean, he was like a now. bodybuilder. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of like the same body type as uh, he's bigger than holiday. than Gabe Kapler though. Gabe Kapler. Was, oh no, yeah, he's definitely bigger. But just these older dudes in their late thirties who look like they're twenty five years old and ripped. Yeah, gotta love it. Gotta love it. Gives me hope. Uh, Didi's also been struggling, but he's about to go off to the World Baseball Classic. Um, 
And I was, again, reading something about the Netherlands uh, being one of the more exciting teams to watch in the World Baseball Classic because of all the young talent they have in the infield. And I guess apparently their pitching staff is going to be like a collection of random dudes off the street. So they might have to score like 15 runs a game to win. But they did finish in uh, fourth place, I, I believe it was, uh, four years ago. Third or fourth place. So I might, be, I might be rooting for the Netherlands in the World Baseball Classic. Did you see the review in iTunes about... I'm trying to remember what it was now because it totally called us out. And I didn't even realize that how wrong we were until I read the review. And it, I, I think uh, the guy who reviewed us said he the fan of the podcast, but we are the Chase Headley of the Caribbean geography. <laughs> because I pretty what did we say? I'm pretty sure that we said and we were when we committed to it and we both agreed, we're like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm pretty sure we said he's from Antigua or somewhere like that. But I, I think it's Carousel. He was born. Right? But Didi was born in Europe. No, I know that. But he, but he, the, the island is uh, oh. that we were that we're so good at naming. It was Curacao. Curacao. Yeah. yeah, I could not. Yeah, we, we for a million that. dollars, I could not even get within a thousand square miles of Curacao on a map. Yeah, well, you could because it's in the Caribbean, so you'd be within a square. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, 100%. so I, I would have guessed it's on the west side of of South America. Okay, yeah, no, you'd be wrong. You'd be very wrong on that. What's that it's, island off of off there? I don't it's like know. off of uh, off of Chile. Uh, the Galapagos Islands. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we talking about geography still? We're obviously bad at it. We were we got called out on it. Anyway, I just thought, I thought that was funny, but yeah, the uh, a lot of them. The there's the uh, like Aruba is uh, the majority of people in Aruba are from the Netherlands. Yes. So you see a lot of that. You ever been to Aruba? I have a few times actually. Yeah, it's fun. It's a fun little island. It is. It is a nice place. Um, and the last bit of uh, Yankees news is that James Caprellian is kind of being. Uh, what well, what did they say? They're they're taking it easy with James Caprellian this this spring, and he might not even get game action. And I think they're just they just want to take it as slow as possible with him because yeah. of the injury risk, and. They're at the point where they know he, no matter what, he's not going to make the opening day roster. So, so why rush him? Let's make sure he's a hundred percent. But Caprillion wants out there. He he said he feels like a caged bull. So, the dude wants to pitch, but the Yankees are holding him back. Yeah, and understandably so. Why they want to, like you said, he's not going to be on the on the roster start the season. He may not even be up this year at all. They got to make sure he's right. He says he's healthy. He's going to be pitching from, I think Girardi was talking about, it's not going to be in a live game, but he will pitch simulated games. So they will get him throwing at, at you know, at full capacity at that point, but he's not going to go out there in, in spring training games. At least that's what they're saying right now. And, and then he'll, you know, I guess move in. I don't know if it's going to be an extended spring training or how they're going to handle it, but they're definitely moving him along slowly. And uh, I don't know. I, I guess they just see, they see the potential in this kid. They see what the the ceiling is, and they really want to make sure, like damn sure, that that elbow is good and that everything in, the, in his arm is good. Uh, you know my feelings on him. I, I think it's a, not going to be a long career. So I feel like they got to make sure he's healthy and then and then roll with him as long as they can get because I don't think he's going to have a long career with the way he throws. Yeah, it's it's kind of scary, isn't it? To, to think that, uh, I mean, he's 22 years old or 21 years old, whatever he is, and, and we're already talking about him not having a long career. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I tell you, man, just every time you look at that, it's just, it hurts my arm watching him throw because of the way he throws. It, there's so much torque on that arm. Maybe he'll have to move to the bullpen then. Might, that may be a future move. I mean, that's what, uh, if you look at some of the guys who had arm injuries, the, um, 
what's his face, Pryor, uh, Wood, Kerry Wood, all those guys. Uh, there's a, there's other names that I'm not thinking of right now, but the the eventual move is to the bullpen so that they can manage the amount of pitches that they're throwing because that's that's a problem when you start when you're throwing that many th- balls. Kerry Wood might be one of the most uh, forgotten Yankees ever. I, yeah. I like I you just said his name and I was like, oh, he was on them and actually had a really good season. I believe it was was it 2008. I don't remember the year, but he definitely. He was a lot more effective when he came back in a bullpen role. He was good. I mean, the guy, the guy definitely found a home at the back of a, of the bullpen and was, was pretty effective. effective as a starter too. Yeah, he got hurt. I mean, he was one of the guys that got hurt early, or I guess it was it was a lot. It was he had a longer career than Pryor did, but yeah, Pryor was very very short. He, yeah. Pryor only had like three seasons. It was bad, man. And, and unfortunately, if you look at the mechanics and how they throw, they're they're not far off Caprillion Kind of like Strasburg too. Strasburg's in the same. Yep. Again injured, I, I didn't didn't I just see something where the the Nationals are taking it easy with him? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, the guy's literally he's going to get hurt at any second. They he's, just give he, him a boatload of money too. Yeah, which is insane to me. You can't you can't rely on a guy. That's a guy who t- takes the money and uh, just get gets a big deal because he 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 knows himself that he's not going to have a long career. I was actually really happy that the Nationals signed him to a contract because he would have been a free agent this offseason, and I was terrified the Yankees were going to go after him. Yeah, it's surprising though. Looking at what the free agent market was for starting pitching, that he didn't test it because he would have been far and away the best, most talented guy out there. Well, if you remember, he signed this contract last spring training. He yeah. probably just wanted to get his name on a dotted line because he was probably. terrified of blowing his arm out again. Yeah, and that's not good. I feel like just him signing that piece of paper is like, wait a minute, hold on, you're actually going to sign this? Let's yeah. let's re- let's re- let's rethink this. And he got injured last year, so he wouldn't yeah. have. I mean, he's a smart move on Strasburg. Oh, I agree. I totally agree. Some news around baseball. Uh, Red Sox Nation crapped themselves when David Price went to see Dr. James Andrews, but he's going to avoid surgery. He had soreness in, in his throwing arm, in his forearm, which is the – remember Tanaka had that a couple years ago? Yeah. And we were kind of saying, well, it's they're saying forearm, but that's awfully close to the elbow. So that's pretty scary. But – Price is not going to have surgery. He's going to he's going to rehab it, but I, I'm assuming he's going to take it very slow in spring. He might have a delayed start to his season. Um, when there was a chance of him missing the entire season, that was going to totally change the outlook of the AL East. We still don't know if Price is going to be healthy. He threw a ton of innings last year. I believe he threw the most innings in the American League last year, and he's done that for a number of seasons. Pretty much since he was with the Rays, he's always thrown over 200 innings. So it, the miles might be catching up to him, but for a little for a little while there, the Red Sox season was about to drastically change. Doesn't this kind of make you a little bit happy though? The fact that they, well, they don't have a clear answer and and that this arm injury is going to be just a, a dark cloud hovering over him, much like Tanaka. I wouldn't say as much last year, but the year before that was was definitely like as anybody could talk about that. It's all they would talk about. I feel like that's going to follow him. And from what we know about David Price, he's a really good regular season game pitcher. He's not so much a good big game pitcher, postseason pitcher. I feel like this guy doesn't handle the pressure as well as others. So I have a feeling this is going to be a really bad situation for him up in Boston, which makes me happy because it's going to linger on a lot. It's going to be a lot less clean than just an injury and, and we're going to go for surgery. We're going to hear a lot about this. I Not that I like rooting for injuries because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's it, it could be a win-win situation for Yankees fans. Either yes. David Price doesn't pitch because he's injured, right. or he does pitch, and then in the biggest games of the Red Sox season this coming year, he'll fall flat on his face, Yeah, which, which is equally as fun. Right. 
this is the scenario I'm seeing. Unless, <laughs> unless he, when he goes out there the next time, because when you have, like you were saying, forearm, for, when you feel it in your forearm, you're going to start, it's because of the elbow usually. And, uh, you know, something's tender in there. And, you know, he throws hard. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, I, I see this as a lingering problem for the Red Sox throughout the year. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets shut down, you know, within the first two months of the season. Let's play the game. If David Price is shut down at some point for the Red Sox this year, and let's, I mean, they might have a huge lead when that happens in the division because I still think they are the clear-cut favorites in the division. But, I mean, that would take them from a 93-94 win season potentially down to an 89-90 win season. And then every other team is back in the division race pretty much. Yeah. Uh, how many games did they win last year? 90? In the 90s, they won. Mid-90s. Yeah. So 93, if you look, 92, 93. So you you look at what what happened last year, and they had David Price, a healthy David Price, uh, and you take him away this year, but they added Chris Sale. So to me, their their pitching staff stays relatively similar similar to what it was last year in that but, sense. Well, they lost Buckholtz, and I know he was inconsistent, but he's Uh-oh. still yeah. well. Also, is Porcello going to be a Cy Young? No, see, that's that's the big thing. I think, yeah. I, so I think Par- Porcello had just like the the best year. I mean, everything everything happened. That was the, the the best case scenario for Priscilla last year. He was he was he was he was shitting gold last year. That's not going to happen again. From what we've seen through his career, that's not what Rick Porcello is. Rick Porcello is a guy who's a good pitcher, but you know he's in the four or five ERA. He 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 wins maybe twelve thirteen games. Like he's not that twenty game. He's winner. a number three starter. Yeah. Yes. So so that's that's where I could see that. But Chris Sale is going to alleviate a lot of you know what David Price um, would have been if he's their one guy. I mean, you you're putting Chris Sale in. And in, in, into with that lineup, he's going to win a, a ridiculous amount of games. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely think it, it, it hurts them, but I don't think it hurts them like an insane amount. I, I think they're still going to be well, th- even without scary. David Price. Without yeah, David Price, it doesn't hurt them an insane amount. That's that's scary. I know. Even with David Price, I still think they're the clear cut favorite. Uh, no, yeah, definitely, definitely are. Yeah, we're, hey, well, we're, the, we're the like, thing is though, we might finish in last, right? Expectations, baby. Let's, let's well, lower the thing them. the thing is, other than the Red Sox, the the other four teams in the division are all kind of a hodgepodge. They could be anything, right? Toronto definitely got worse. Uh, if you look yeah, losing, at losing Encarnacion, they definitely got worse. But yeah. I would still say that they're the second best team in the division. I'm put. I got to put the Orioles there. The Orioles look. God, I mean, their pitching staff is so terrible. Ubaldo Jimenez is the is the next ace of their staff from what Buck Showalter. They, didn't they trade away Gallardo? I don't even. Uh, he's not on the team. Yeah, to he did. They they sent him Seattle. to um, Seattle. That's right. I don't know Buck. So I, I have a lot of confidence in Buck Showalter to get them to to the playoffs and to he's a they he's a very good manager. They prove last year we said that they're gonna be ter- uh, terrible because of their pitching staff and they proved us wrong. Remember yeah. remember you were mocking. Speaking of those fan videos, you were mocking yes. those Orioles fans. I was I was mocking them because of uh, Chris Davis and the and the Adderall, yeah, uh, which which worked. It worked really well for him. The Blue Jays are going to have a full season of Aaron Sanchez. Yes, they will. Yes, they will. So they, I don't know. You're right. The rest of the the rest of the American League is is kind of a who knows. Um, I think the Yankees from the spring training now obviously were a force to be reckoned with. So they better watch out. Fourth place. <laughs> Low expectations, baby. Low expectations. Final bit of baseball news. Doesn't it just seem that new rules are popping up every every other day around baseball? Now they're going to make balls stickier in a way to, I guess, control the illegal substances in the game. 
and I immediately just think of Michael Pineda and the pine tar on his neck at Fenway Park. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm fine with them experimenting with some of the stuff with the ball itself, and like I guess they commissioned Rawlings to go out and make a stickier ball, and they had they had some there was a substance sprayed to the balls on the first round that they did this, and they made them stickier, but I think it wore off fast. I just don't see how how is a ball that's sticky gonna stay sticky i don't really get that like isn't dirt gonna stick to the ball too the tackiness sure of it engineering something in a lab that'll keep it sticky for the entire yeah, game i guess so there's just a lot of other things that go into a baseball with the field in play as well but yeah i mean i don't hate it it's fine like experiment with it i don't, I, I don't really care i mean if i, I don't, don't care have, either the thing is they're this is basically baseball acknowledging the fact that guys put stuff on the balls. They either right. have it on their wrists or in their glove or in their hair. Like Clay Buckholtz would have the sun sunscreen in yes. his hair. Yes. I mean his hair was greasy. He looked like as such shit. a scumbag. Yeah, oh my such God. a scumbag. And that's that's see that's see I and I got we got on Pineda for doing this too when he had pine tar on his neck. If you're gonna cheat, don't make it so blatantly obvious. Wasn't that was the reason John Farrell got pissed with the Red Sox? It wasn't that he was using the pine tar; it was the fact that he had it right on his neck for everyone in the ballpark and everyone on TV to see. That's basically rubbing your face in it. And there's a difference though between putting the the sunscreen or something that makes the ball slipperier than than a tacky substance. I think what they're trying to do and and help the the fact that. The, the pitchers can control the ball. They add pine tar because they on a cold day, it's hard to get a grip, right? Your fingers, you can't get like the saliva. It's just hard to get a grip on the baseball. So adding pine tar, that's not the worst thing in the world, right? I mean, don't, don't owners want their batters to be safer so that guys were throwing 100 miles an hour to have more control of the ball? I mean, like you think about that, it's it's a positive thing. So I guess so. Yeah, the fact is like putting a stickier or a tackier ball, it's not sticky, I guess it's tackier, right? The Having a grip is, is not a bad thing. Like, the pitcher should be able to control the ball. You know, when it's very cold out, it's slippery and it's hard to do. What Buckholtz is doing is trying to add slipperiness to it so he could get more spin on it. And, like, like that's just that's but just see, terribly that seems cheating. counter – that seems so, – so it's weird, right? Because you have the rosin bag, which dries your hands. So pitchers yeah. use the rosin on, on like, hot, hot sweaty days yeah. so they can get a better grip on the ball. Um, so you have that. Then you have pine tar, which is kind of similar to rosin, but you use it when it's cold out, right? Right. Yes. And then the the bullfrog or the sunscreen or whatever, when like when is that good? What's that good for? I guess it just depends on what you're throwing because you can get the ball can slip off your fingers better, and yeah, I, your hand is slippery. I, I don't know. It's a different substance. It's, I would think a, if you are putting sunscreen on your hand, I'm not coming close to the strike zone with a fastball. That thing's going to be sailing to the third row. No, but they're not trying to throw a fastball with that. I'm pretty sure they they put it on a finger or one for, of their it's for sliders and one of their pressure yeah their pressure finger where they're trying to put the pressure on the ball so that they can get more spin on that ball. They're, they're but just, again, they're, I would think stickiness is good for that. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think everybody's different. <laughs> the fact of the matter is they're trying to eliminate this stuff, and baseball seems like they're doing a lot of things meddling with a sport that's pretty freaking good right now. I understand that advancements have to happen as time goes on. I'm not going to be completely opposed to that and an old guy pouting about everything, but this is a lot better than adding a runner at second base for extra innings. Doesn't it seem like baseball fans more than anything get upset about rule changes? Yes. Like yes, we're, it does. we're football fans. I guess some hardo football fans were upset when they basically took the kickoff out of the game. Yeah. But but it just seems like baseball more than any sport is when fans flip out over or dumb ticky tack rules like like this. Yeah, no, I agree. I think people just don't like change, and then you get the baseball side of it where everybody 
is a, a quote purist or whatever. They just they're so used to their old pastime and playing it the way that they like it that uh, their opinions are even louder at that point. They, they, there's a lot of complaining going on. Yeah, like you and I aren't going to get really heated one way or the other about the tackiness of the balls or even no. really the intentional walk rule, which I think you and I both dislike but don't really at the end of the day care. Yeah. It's the shit that they talk about maybe potentially putting a runner on second base where I'm going to flip out. That's where it changes the game. The other stuff is like it, the, the scenarios just don't happen enough for it to be like to completely you, look, there's going to be things that happen and you're going to have to at some point, you know, come to a, to an agreement where, where, where you're okay with, with them making some kind of a change. Cause it's going to happen. So the fact of like the, the, the walk rule, I'm fine with it. It doesn't change the game that much. Yes. We missed the Gary Sanchez long fly ball, but it doesn't happen that often that it's going to change the, the game as we know it. I was watching one of the spring training games and Ken, um, Ken Singleton was talking about the pace of play and he was like, the only way we're going to get faster games is to reduce the time in between innings for commercials. Yep. yep. Um, and he was like, oh, maybe we just start should start putting uh, logos on jerseys. And yep. the NBA is starting that this year. Did you see? I did. I saw the Celtics have GE. Have something. GE, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah and I think... Um, the Nets did one too. And the, the Timberwolves, I think, also. Um, it's interesting. It's an interesting idea. I mean, I think it would... Again, That's going to piss a lot of people off too. It's going to piss a lot of people off. So what happens when you buy when you go buy a Yankees jersey? Is, is there going to be like a Delta logo on it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, there is. That's crazy. Oh, God. I don't know. But you know what? I'm, I'm fine with that if it means that we go from two and a half minute inning breaks even down to two minute inning breaks. That would really add up. I, I mean, I talked about this the last time when we were saying the ways to actually do it. I mean, the, if, the, if baseball was very serious about changing the pace of play and that was the main objective and that's what they wanted to do the first place you go is the time between the innings but the bottom line is they don't care enough about it to change it because of the revenue but you know i think i think uh singleton had a, had a, some good points i mean can we just get creative with the the types of advertising whether it's on a jersey or like add some more holograms in different areas or whatever like let's figure that out let's let's put our minds on how we can tighten the innings uh, between the game or between the innings, the time between the innings, and then put some advertisements in other places. Let's let's get a little bit more creative with that. I think there's opportunities for that, and I think baseball really should recognize that and and dive into that more than changing the game with all these other stupid rules. Well, you know what'll happen is they'll put the logos on the jerseys, and then they'll reduce the time in between innings, and then each year after that, they'll slowly tick it back up to where it was, and just hope people don't notice. Yeah, no, you're right. It probably is probably is the case. It's, so it's then a, they'll be double dipping. They'll get the the yeah. the commercial break revenue plus the in game jersey revenue, and the, they'll keep adding stuff. Yeah, you're probably right. What it's just money is the bottom line in all of this. We have to you, always remember that. that greedy, yes, it's a game. Greedy bastards. Yes, it's uh, it's entertainment for all of us, but but uh, the powers that be just want to make more money, and we'd be doing the same thing if we were in their shoes. All right, before we t- uh, answer our mailbag question, I want to remind everyone to please rate and review the podcast in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, London, iTunes, and wherever else you may be listening. It definitely helps us out in the ratings, and it's also fun to read those reviews. And every now and again, we get some funny ones, like like Scott mentioned earlier. We only have one mailbag question this week. Um, I think uh, it's because uh, spring training has been going so well, right, Scott? I mean, <laughs> there's not much to complain about, and I think a lot of the people. I think when we get a lot of mailbags, it's it's the majority of it is complaints. Yeah, there's not much to to harp on right now. 
So the one uh, is actually from Instagram and it's from Nancy, but it's N-A-N-C-3-Y. And she says, does Girardi have enough confidence and smarts to put Sanchez number two in the batting order? And this is something that um, has been talked about a little bit. I don't, um, I don't really take too much stock into some of these spring training lineups that they're running out there because you've got guys that um, it might be split squad or whatever it may be. But Sanchez has batted second in a couple of these games. Um, what, what do you think, though? I mean, that's kind of a, a different take on the lineup. I think you and I both thought Sanchez would be the number three or the number four hitter. But what, what do you think about him batting, se- batting second? I think it's interesting when you look at the the way that the roster and the lineup actually shakes out, and and you know, depending on what's important to you and and who you're facing, you know, if it's a, if it's a utmost important to break up the righties lefties at the top of the order, then it can make sense. I mean, the, you know, the Yankees have the power bats that that can hit four or five with Holiday and and um, and Bird uh, from both sides of the plate. You add Sanchez in in that two spot, you know, you're you're adding another uh, right-handed bat. You know whether it's Gardner or Ellsbury, whoever's leading off, you're you're putting a right-handed bat who can produce runs. You're getting him more at bats at that point. It's an interesting thought. I mean, I think it's I think it's something that that Girardi could very well toy with, and he's definitely talked about it as well, which leads me to believe that he's definitely thinking about it. The idea here would be uh, if Bird is really swinging the bat well, he would bat third, right? Yeah, I think so. And and again, this is all just to get your best hitters more at bats in the games. If Sanchez is batting second every day, what maybe that adds up to 15 more at-bats, 20 more at-bats throughout the year? I don't know what the number would be, but it's got to be a, a decent amount, right? Yeah, and you know, I think I think Girardi seems like, at least, from, from everything we're seeing early on. I mean, I know every, we've seen a bunch of lineups already come out that has uh, Gardner and Ellsbury at the top two. That's, <laughs> that's happened, and, and people are complaining about it on Twitter. I just, you know, don't get too worked up about that and worried about it. Because um, the, the lineup's very different every day, it seems. It seems like Girardi's really kind of toying around with things and just seeing where guys feel comfortable. And, you know, who knows what goes into that decision. But, yeah, getting more at-bats for your best hitter is not a bad thing. I mean, you flip the lineup one time, and, you know, most likely he's going to be in a, a, you know, a, run, a run-producing role. Um, so I, I, I'm not opposed to it. I could see Girardi experimenting with this if there's a lefty on the mound. Yeah, and you know the bottom line is they got to score more runs. The Yankees did not score runs last year, and that was one of the biggest problems early on. We all complained about what the pitching staff was going to be, but the pitching staff wasn't the big problem last year. It was the scoring of the runs. And now, granted, we had two giant holes at at the uh, in the middle of the lineup with with uh, Teixeira and Arod. You know, theoretically, we're not going to have that this year. We're, hopefully, everybody's healthy and, and producing at that point, um, and we're going to have a lot more power in the middle of the lineup. But we got to score more runs because. If the pitching staff produces even to what they did last year, this team could be in a much better position if they score runs. And Sanchez uh, batting second, I mean, he's not a traditional second hitter because he's slow as molasses. Right. Um, but, but really, how much, uh, how, much, how much do you think that Girardi's thinking about that? It, when, like you said, when, if Girardi mentions it publicly, yeah. it means he's strongly considering it. Yeah, yeah. It's like in penciled into the binder. Like He's kind of floating the idea to see what reactions he'll get from from the media and from fans and from not that he listens to our podcast, yeah. <laughs> but we're going to react to it. If he if Girardi mentions something, we're going to react to it. So I would have to say, I mean, between batting Sanchez second or batting Ellsbury or Gardner at the number nine or the number eight spot in the order, 
he's putting some serious thought into it. Yeah. And I, I, I think it would be a lot of fun to see Gary Sanchez hitting number two, and then you get some power guys behind him. I, I think it would be a lot of fun. I, I'm always a proponent of getting your best hitter more at-bats. I mean, if you think about that in just very so simple why don't we terms. So lead off? Because he's not a lead. I don't know. There needs to be a tab- one guy to set the table, you know? There's a um, certain – There's a certain. you draw a line somewhere. Yeah, a lot of solo home runs right there. But, uh, you know, I don't know. You, you look at you look at the, the way that it would look on, on paper and, you know – Left, it's, right, it's, left, right, left, right. Yeah, it looks pretty. It does look pretty. Okay, thank you, Nancy, for the question. If you want to submit mailbag questions, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast, or you can call the voicemail line at 646-480-0342. Tweet us at Yankees Podcast, at Andrew underscore Rotondi, at Scott Reinen. Again, remember, March 24th and 25th, we're going to be in Tampa at the Southern Brewing and Winemaking uh, at 4500 North Nebraska Ave in Tampa at 6 p.m. on that Friday. We would love it if people show up. If you're a Yankees fan and you're a fan of this show, please come and let's hang out and have some beers. 25% off code for this week is Tampa. Scott, final words before we leave? Yeah, I'm not going to be here next week. You're going to have somebody, and I don't know who's going to be here. I'm heaven heading. I have not even thought about that yet i gotta figure that out we will have somebody sitting in for me i'm traveling uh, abroad for uh for a business trip so i'll be gone for the next i don't know nine days so hold it down baby let's let's uh let's hope for there's there's another positive week of spring training and uh, i will talk to you guys in two weeks good stuff have a good week everyone hey guys thanks for listening to the bronx pinstripe show Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.